So Genesis 2, verse 20. I'm going to read six really good verses, and then I will pray. You guys ready to hear from God? I hope so. I hope you are. If you're not, that's okay. He's still going to talk to you. Genesis chapter 2, verse 20. Here it goes. The man... Adam gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heaven and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman crazy and brought her to the man then the man said this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh she shall become she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh you know what that means i hope you know what that means and the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed it's the Bible, guys. That's awesome. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your word. Uh, I thank you for the gift and the power and authority that's in your word. I thank you that tonight is, uh, is nothing to do with my own brain, that, that we can together look at what you have given us and what you have said and breathed, and we can learn from you about one of uh, the most powerful but confusing uh, gifts you've given us, the gift of sex. And I pray that you would bring clarity to us um, I pray that, Lord, man, I know there are people uh, hurting because of the way this has been used wrongly. I know there's shame. Um, I know there's guilt. I know there's confusion. And so I just thank you, Jesus, that you are a good shepherd and that you heal and redeem and restore. And you say, come to me and you're gonna make us more whole tonight as we look to your word. So would you speak, God? Give us um, supernatural help as we look to your word. We're gonna read a lot. Lord, give us um, attention, uh, to pay attention to what you have to say. We love you, and it's in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, flip back to 1 Corinthians chapter five. Get ready. I gotta get there too. 1 Corinthians chapter five. Lost my place. All right. 1 Corinthians chapter five. Um, so... You know, when you talk about sex at church, it's maybe kind of weird, right? I don't know. It's not something we do often. Um, probably, I imagine most of what you have heard uh, at church about sex is don't do it until you're married. And basically, that's it. That's done. We're done with youth group talk. We're moving on. What's the next topic, right? I imagine that's pretty much what we've heard. If you've ever come to church, especially you were in some kind of youth group, hey, don't do it until you're married. That's it. Uh, which is not bad wisdom, honestly. That's not bad. But the Bible, God has given us more than just don't do it. Uh, what we just read in Genesis chapter two um, is the beginning, the, the beginning of God showing us what sex is, what it's for, who it's from, who came up with it. Um, and I, I think I have five, six points. So if you're like a point note taker, here's your first point. Sex is good. Sex is really good. That's what we just read about in Genesis. Do you know what wasn't good? Was Adam not having a wife to have sex with. That was not good. God made Adam and he had a relationship with God 
And God said, yeah, it's not good right now. He needs a wife. He needs bone of his bones, flesh of his flesh, so they can become one. God made up sex. He thought of it all. Every detail, as weird, as embarrassing or not as that is, uh, he came up with it. He made your nerve endings. He made your body parts. God did. God came up with this stuff. And it wasn't until the fall when we, Adam and Eve, our representatives rebelled against God that we began to experience shame. Remember the last thing we read in Genesis was they were naked and unashamed, right? Like, I don't know if you've ever been naked and unashamed, but it's awesome. I'm just gonna, yeah, I don't know if you've ever done that. Have you been like skinny dipping or something? It's really good. That's how God made it to be. And it was when we rebelled against God that we began to experience shame about our nakedness and our bodies and this concept of sex. It was us who began to ruin the gift of sex. Now, um, when, you like, when, when you listen to songs or watch whatever on Netflix, when we're just in the world, there's kind of like two ideas about sex, okay? Number one, the, the really prevalent idea you're gonna hear is the idea that we're just bodies, right? We're just bodies. And so sex is just an appetite, like eating. That's all it is. It's a really low view of sex. And it, it helps us justify a really casual attitude towards sex, right? Because I'm just, just, I'm just a body. I'm, this is all that it is. It's not that meaningful. We're just having fun with our bodies. That's all that's going on. Um, and so this is how we justify casual sex. This is how we even justify things like porn and masturbation. It's just an appetite. I need to feed myself. I have to take care of my body because that's all that my body is. And then we have a more romantic view of sex that is kind of the other extreme. And it's basically this. Sex is the best thing ever, right? So you have like the low view over here. And then we have this other view. It's like the best thing in the world. And, and, and if I could get it, if I could find someone who loved me and we could do this together, we would be completed and I would be satisfied and I would like have all that I need. So those are kind of like the two prevailing ideas about sex. Now, I am so grateful that God has spoken to us. Like he has created all things and then he has also been like, hey, now listen to me. Listen to how I made things. I am the one who made it. And so I can tell you how to enjoy my good gifts. And what God essentially says, um, not just that sex is good, but one of the things we look at, we learn when we read about sex in the Bible is that it's, and here's point number two, sex is powerful, okay? Sex is really powerful. Um, when, we, when we have something really valuable or powerful, um, we intuitively know like to be careful with it, right? Like if you were, I don't know why you would be, but if you were hiking with a stick of dynamite in your backpack, you would like not be careless, right? You'd be like, no, this is powerful. I'm not just gonna be careless. Sex is powerful. It's more than just a physical appetite. As it says in Genesis 2, when two people come together to have sex, they become one flesh, as in like all of who they are, heart, soul, mind, strength, body, soul, heart, all of those things that we are humans become one. Like that is a really powerful thing. And when we think sex is just this casual thing, when we mess around with it, like a lot of damage can happen. And I would imagine that every one of us has already been damaged 
in some way by the power of sex, by being careless with it. It may even be our parents were careless with this powerful gift from God and it's still affecting our life. Just think about that. Your parents' decisions are affecting your life. Us growing up, whatever it is, junior high, high school, college, when we are careless with it, we have, I guarantee we all have some scars and some wounds because of the power of sex. And so that's like our foundation. This is from God and it's really powerful. Now we're gonna get to 1 Corinthians chapter five and um, we're gonna read like a couple of different sections and Paul's building on that foundation. That sex is good, it's from God, it's powerful. And, and now I wanna make this really clear. He's speaking to the church now, okay? So what I'm gonna do as I proclaim God's word is uh, you may not believe these things, you may not agree with these things, you may not be a Christian. And so they may be kind of like, wow, are you seriously saying that? Did Paul seriously say that? And just remember that Paul's speaking to those who would say, I follow Jesus. I've been made new by Jesus. And if you're not in that, that's okay. You're welcome here. And we're going to speak to you also. But no, this is going to be kind of intense. And this is, this is how the, the church should think about the powerful gift of sex. So um, we're going to read 13 verses to start out of chapter 5, the whole chapter. Um, and Actually, let me read it and then I'll sum it up. So I hope you have your Bible in front of you. I'm reading out of the ESV. Paul's speaking to the church, who he loves. And he says this. It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that is not even tolerated even among pagans. For a father, for a man has his father's wife. And are you arrogant? Ought you not rather to mourn? Let him who has done this be removed from among you. For though absent in body, I am present in spirit. And as if present, I have already pronounced judgment on the one who did such a thing. When you are assembled in the name of the Lord Jesus, and my spirit is present with the power of our Lord Jesus, you are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. Your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump as you really are unleavened. For Jesus Christ, our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. Let us therefore celebrate the festival, not with the old leaven, meaning sin, the, mal- the, the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. I wrote to you in my letter, he's referring to another letter he wrote, not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the sexually immoral of the world or the greedy and the swindlers or idolaters, since then you would need to go out of the world. But I am writing to you, not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother if he is guilty of sexual immorality or greed or is an idolater, reviler, drunkard, or swindler, not even to eat with such a one. For what have I to do with judging outsiders? It is, not those, it is, is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges those outside. Purge the evil person from among you. Wow. Okay, wow. I hope you paid a little bit of attention. Uh, To sum this whole chapter up, it's basically this. Jesus calls his church to sexual holiness. 
Jesus gave us the gift of sex. It's good, it's powerful. But he says, if you follow me, you are to be holy. You are to be sexually pure. And uh, if, a little background on this new church. Um, they, so this guy was sleeping with his, I guess it would be his stepmom. And this church was so stoked on the gospel, on the blood of Jesus, covering all of their sins as they should be, that they began to just go wild. And they were getting drunk in communion. This guy was sleeping with his stepmom. And they're like, man, isn't the grace of God so good that we can do all this crazy stuff and we're forgiven? Like they were so excited about the love of God that they, they were like, they began to boast, to brag about like who was sinning worse because, hey, Jesus is gonna forgive us. And so they literally began to be arrogant and to boast about sin in the church. Now, Paul's like, listen, you should not take this lightly. You should take this seriously to the point of church discipline, which is crazy. Nobody does church discipline. Like, like how many people in your life did you witness get kicked out of the church? Like, that's, that's crazy. We're like, I don't even wish this chapter's in the Bible. We shouldn't do that stuff. Like, Paul is like, it matters that much because sin, like unrepentant sin in a Christian is like yeast, that spreads into the entire dough that is the church. And he's saying, listen, it is loving for that person and the whole church for that sin to be confronted and dealt with. Paul, like, Paul starts off his whole teaching on sex with like, it really, really matters that you are sexually pure. This is not a small thing. It matters enough that if you are walking in sin, you should be kicked out of the church like crazy. And this is from the Holy Spirit. So Paul starts there. Listen, Jesus is calling us to be sexually pure. Then look at chapter six. Um, he's, he's on a roll. He gets the first 11 verses. He starts talking about, and do you know what else? You guys are suing each other. And he's disgusted about that. We're gonna skip that one. And we're gonna look at verse nine where he picks th this idea up again of sin in the church. Uh, so look at verses uh, nine through 11. That's the next section we're gonna read. It's one of the heaviest passages in the New Testament, okay? He says this, or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed you were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. If I could sum this up right here, this is point number four, it's this. Jesus restores and redeems the sexually broken. Man, that is so good because he starts off talking about sin matters this much that if you are practicing these things, walking in these things, you will not inherit the kingdom. Like, like it's, the kingdom of God is not a place where these things are done. That's not how the kingdom of God works. That's not what our king is like. And, and it starts so gnarly, right? And we're like, oh my gosh, like, so I have to like be perfect or like, is, am I earning my salvation or what does this mean? But then he reminds us in verse 11 of what the kingdom of God is like. 
It takes the sexually immoral, the idolaters, adulterers, men who practice homosexuality, thieves, greedy, drunkards, revilers, and swindlers, which by the way, is every one of us, every one of us fits this list. Every one of us is sexually broken. Every one of us struggles with greed, struggles with being unjust, with abusing alcohol. Like we all fit here. This list is everyone. And what he's saying is you you don't come to the kingdom and just not change. He says the king comes for people like this in this list. And what does he do? He washes them white as snow. And he sanctifies them, which means he sets them apart to be different. And he justifies them, which means that all of the wrath of God that we deserve went on Jesus and the righteousness of Jesus goes onto you. And when God looks at you, he sees perfection because of the blood of Jesus. That is what the kingdom is like. That is what the kingdom does. This is the entrance to the kingdom. No one gets into the kingdom except for being on this list, being cleansed by the blood of Jesus, and then going in different. And so if, if I could say this a different way, it's you are not in the kingdom if you are not changed. He's saying that's not how it works. You were washed. You can't be washed and not washed. You can't be washed. You don't like... You don't come into the house all muddy, get washed, and then keep going in the house muddy. It literally is illogical. It doesn't make sense. That's not how it works. You were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified. If you come in the kingdom, you are different. Now, I want to clarify this. Um, We all continue to struggle with sin and temptation uh, after we meet Jesus, We do. Uh, The Bible refers to this as the flesh, refers to this as the old man. Um, And Paul continually is like, hey, listen, put off those things, like continually daily, put those things away and be with Jesus and take in his word and put on the new man. Remember who you really are. And so we continue to struggle. Peter's a really good example of this practically. He was saved by Jesus and then he was an idiot. And then Jesus like, stop being an idiot. He's like, okay, 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 I'm trying. And like, that's the Christian life. But the point is we do not come to Jesus in our brokenness and remain the same. It may take time. It may be baby steps. We may even go backwards, but because, listen, salvation isn't just like, okay, I signed the card. Here's my slip. I'm into heaven. It's the power of God in you. The spirit of God is in you. You are a new creation. Like you will be different. You have the power, you have God inside of you. So when you go back to those old things, Listen, they may taste good for a second, but like there's something else in you that's like, man, I hate this. I wish I wasn't here. If, let me say this. If when you go back to your old ways, there's something deeper in you that's like, why am I here? That's evidence that you've been washed, sanctified, and justified. That's evidence that you are a new creation. If you like, man, I like my sin, but I hate my sin, If that's like your experience, that's evidence you are a new creation. If you like your sin and just like your sin, Paul's saying like, hey, you're not on a good track to inherit the kingdom. That's not how the kingdom works. It changes people. It washes people. It sanctifies people. It justifies people. And I want to say this, one mark of justification, when you know that your sin has been washed white, was been washed away as white as snow, when you know God looks at you and loves you and doesn't, sorry about this, 
when, when you know when God looks at me, he doesn't condemn me. When you know that, do you know what you do when you sin? You go back to God. You're not afraid of God anymore because you know what Jesus did for you on the cross. And do you know what else you do? You go to other people and you say, man, I am struggling. I fell. I gave into temptation. And you confess it because you're safe. Because like there's no more wrath for you. You, you know I'm safe with God and I am safe with people because I've been justified. I've been like the stamp of righteousness of Jesus has been over my life. Uh, one picture of that when Adam and Eve sinned and they realized they were naked and ashamed, what they did is try to cover their shame up with their own like fig leaves. That's what, that's, that's what we do when we don't realize God loves us. Do you know what God did? He killed an animal he skinned it and he put it on them. And he's like, let my covering cover you. My covering is better than your covering. My covering is new robes of righteousness. And now you can be with me again because I'm expressing my love for you. When the prodigal son came home and he received that robe, he's receiving the love of the father. Like I'm covering you up. I'm, I, this, I'm declaring that I love you. And so listen, we are called to holiness we will struggle, but we've been changed at the deepest level. That's what it is to be changed by Jesus. And so when, even when it says wash, that's a picture of what we're doing in baptism. It's a picture of, man, I was this way. And when I go down and I come up, I'm not the same anymore. It says public declaration. I'm not the same. My sin doesn't define me anymore. I am, I may struggle with being sexually immoral, but I'm not sexually immoral anymore. I've been washed. I may struggle with putting idols before Jesus, but I am not an idolater. I may struggle with getting drunk, but I am not a drunkard. I am different. I've been washed and sanctified and justified. Then he goes on in chapter six. Um, we're gonna read verses 15 to 20. Uh, and he's gonna teach us something else profound. It's gonna, it's gonna be, it's, it's all kind of, kinds of logic. He's making all kinds of points. It may be confusing, but I'm gonna try and sum it up well for us. But let's look at verse 15 to 20. This is what he says. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of a prostitute? Never. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the two will become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. There's so many things here, but what I want us to notice you maybe didn't pick this up right off the top, but the, the point number five about sex is this. Sex is a sign, okay? I, I want you to think about this. This is like deep Bible logic. Sex is a sign. Uh, when, he's, when he talks about being one flesh with a prostitute, and then in verse 17, he's like, no, no, don't be joined to a prostitute. You're to be joined to the Lord. What he's getting at, and the, he talks about this in other places, is that sex is a sign of like deep unity. And, and so sex and marriage, hear me, it's a pointer, it's a sign to our deep union to Jesus as the bride of Christ. 
what is sex and what is marriage for? And listen, why isn't it going to be around forever? Because it's a sign. It's not an end in of itself. It's a sign, a pointer to Jesus' love for his bride, the church. When you become a Christian, you become united to Jesus. You are united to him. He fills your body with his spirit. Like that's radical unity. That's deeper unity than even sex. Like imagine if someone else's spirit entered your body. That's what sex is a picture of. Jesus, like I love my bride so much when they trust in me, become a new creation, I give my spirit to them and they are joined to me. And so a couple things. What he's saying here is, so when you sin sexually, you're misrepresenting Jesus. You're, you're, You're taking the sign and you're pointing it to something else. What you're saying is, hey, Jesus sleeps around. That's what we say when we are sexually immoral as a church. Jesus sleeps around. That's what we are communicating to the world. That's, we take the sign as intended to our devotion to Jesus and we point it to another thing. Jesus sleeps around. Like, he's like, never, you would never do that. Why would you do that? And the other thing about this to notice is that, I I said this earlier, the spirit in you, when you are joined to Jesus, there is like real power, the, the The power and person of God is in you. And so I just want you to hear this. There's hope for you when you're sexually tempted because you have the power of God in you. There's there's real power in you to resist temptation. There's real power. And listen, we probably face this temptation every single day probably many times a day. And it's not just guys and it's not just porn. We are tempted sexually every single day. And we need to remember, no, I'm united to Jesus and his spirit is in me and his spirit is able to lead me out of temptation. And now uh, the last kind of thing, as he covers this, chapter seven, it's really long. It's 40 verses. It's like really hard to understand. Uh, you're in your first reading. And so I'm gonna sum it up with it. I'm just gonna sum it up for you as a gift, okay? Um, because, and this is point number six, because sex is a sign, listen, sex isn't everything. And that's what he gets at in chapter seven. Um, marriage is good. Um, but he, what he says in chapter seven is like, but it's really hard. And then he says, and singleness is good, but it's really hard. And, and what he's getting at is sex and marriage is just temporary. Because it's a sign, it's just temporary. And what that means is, yeah, it's a good gift of God, but it's not the end-all, be-all. I, we are really tempted by the world, by our flesh, by Satan to think, if I could have this, I would be completed. And when God holds out on me, I'm like bitter at him. Like, why are you holding out on this thing for me? And, and what Paul wants us to remember is, hey, sex is fine, it's good, but like it's not forever and it's not the end all because what it's all assigned for is your, your unity to Jesus. The only thing that will satisfy you is Jesus. Jesus is actually enough. Yeah, he gives good gifts and he takes gifts away and, and it's good that a man would have a husband and it's nice, but it's not eternal. It's not forever. The only union that is, is our union to Jesus. And so I want to say the obvious, life with Jesus, yet without sex is more than enough. And hear me, life with lots of sex and without Jesus will never satisfy 
your soul. And Jesus loves you enough to come and confront you in your sexual sin because he loves you like a good husband who would be pursuing his bride that's wandering away. He loves you. He loves you enough to be like, stop, don't do that. Don't cheat on me. Don't commit adultery against me. I love you. And then listen, I, again, I know some of us feel really guilty and have been really wounded and even abused. And we feel like, man, Jesus is for sure done with me. There's no way Jesus is going to love me. I'm too far gone. I'm broken. And I just want to say, read your stinking Bible because that's what's like every book. He loves you in your sin. He pursues sinners. Like the book of Hosea is a whole story where this guy marries a prostitute who keeps cheating on him and he keeps going back to her. Like God was like, yeah, it's like that. Like, okay, Hosea, you're gonna have to do this because I want everyone to know what I'm like. And Hosea's like, okay, God, I guess I'll do this. He wants you to know, I would love you if you were a prostitute and slept around every single night. I would be faithful to you because that is who I am. There's a whole book of the Bible about that. If you are sexually broken, Jesus right now looks at you with love. And if you've come to him, you are actually already clean. You are actually already set apart as his precious bride and justified. And listen, if you're not, if you haven't come to Jesus, and you're like, there's no way, he loves you. And even now, as we're looking at his word, he's pursuing you. He's pursuing you saying, come to me. I will satisfy you. I will make you whole. I am the only one who can make you sexually whole and pure again. I am the one who will satisfy you if you're single, if you're married, if you get divorced. I am enough. Listen, this list is a gnarly list. Uh, there, are, there are sins on here that the church has historically been like, yeah, you can't, you, you can't come back from that. That's just wrong. He, he, he lists like the gnarliest stuff and says, that's not who you are anymore. You were washed, sanctified and justified by Jesus. And so what we're gonna do right now, like this is the most important thing we're gonna do tonight. Maybe baptism, I don't know. We're gonna spend time with Jesus right now. We are going to draw near to him. And we have communion. I think maybe we don't have communion. Maybe we could get communion. Do we have, Sam, where are you at? Could you help us get some communion? We need communion tonight. Thank you, Sam. Um, we are going to have communion to remember, like, listen, communion is this graphic, intimate thing going in your body of what Jesus has done for you. He was broken and bled to death for you and because of your sin. And he still loves you. He says, come to me and I will make you clean. We're going to have a prayer team um, who, if you're like, man, I don't, I have, I'm dealing with some stuff or I feel guilty or I'm in this place and I want to be out of it. Um, there's been some really, really profound, like, like lives have been changed on these Friday nights with people coming to prayer and confessing and asking for help. Um, like that could be you tonight. Um, also, I want to encourage us, like let's minister to one another. Like the spirit of God is real. Like, you guys are the church. Like this isn't like church doing stuff for you. Like, like there are gifts and the spirit is here. And so I want to encourage us to make freedom uh, to pray for it, minister to, speak words of prophecy and prayer over one another. Um, let's bring to Jesus our desires. Um, I know that many in here are like, man, I just, I, like, I'm not trying to make it an idol, but like, I just would like someone to like be with. Like, that's okay. 
it's a good thing. It's, it's, Jesus said, that's, I made it that way. So bring, to, bring him your desires. Like bring those to Jesus. And then hear from him whatever he's gonna say and know that like he's enough for you. He is enough for you. So I'm gonna pray for us and we're gonna be with Jesus. Jesus, thank you for who you are, for your word that is real and it's hard and it's sharp and it's really clear on this stuff. Um, God, I pray for any in this room who have been confused about what you say, Lord, um, who've maybe been led astray even in what you say. Thank you that you've been really clear Like everyone who follows you is to be sexually holy and it's not okay to walk in sin. Um, But thank you, Jesus, that you take sexually broken people like every one of us and you wash us clean and you set us apart as your holy vessels and you've justified us by the blood of Jesus. And so I pray tonight that, that um, if there are those who are still in the dark, if there are unconfessed, unrepented of sins, that uh, your spirit would graciously like confront them and that they would be repented and they would experience the joy of confession and being near to you again. Like David writes of how heavy it is when we have sin that we haven't confessed. And I just ask that we would be free of that weight that we would experience lightness and joy as we confess to you our sin, our shame, our brokenness, God. And I, I thank you that you're, you're here, Holy Spirit, that, that we are your temple, that, that the power and presence of God is in this room right now. And I just ask that you would minister to each of us where we need it, that we would meet with you, that we would experience what it's like. We are joined to you. And ask that we wouldn't be the same tonight, that we would be changed because we've been in the presence of God. And, and then Lord, I'm just really thankful we get to end this in baptism and just celebrate like, man, I was different. And then I met Jesus and then he's changed me and cleansed me and I'm no longer my own and I'm a new creation and I wanna walk in the light and follow him. And when I stumble, I'm gonna come back to him because I know I'm safe and I'm loved by him. So would you just minister really deeply to all of us tonight, Father?